hope you're enjoying Moriarty, The Devil's Game, an Audible original podcast. All episodes of Season 1 are now available ad-free, exclusively on Audible. Visit audible.com slash moremoriarty and sign up for a free trial. Audible Originals presents Moriarty, The Devil's Game. Produced by Treefort Media. Directed by Elliot Blake. Created and written by Charles Kindinger. Starring Dominic Monaghan. The following contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. rather simple. James, what are you up to? This puzzle like a crack. Is that what I am to you? I love you. You promised me. Whatever it takes. I'm right on the edge of it. <laughs> You're dreadfully mistaken. Rose? Indeed. Beat the poor girl's face to a pulp. The whole suite was locked. Hotel security didn't see anyone enter. All the windows bolted from the inside. And no way up from the balcony. Seems like we've lucked out with this one, Lestrade. Suppose we should move the body, give them a chance to clean up all this blood. Lestrade. Inspector. Hmm? Isn't that really necessary? What? The camera. I, I don't approve of you making a hobby of my crime scene. It's not a hobby, Gregson. Photographic evidence is the future of investigation. There's no investigation here. No forced entry into the room. No sign anything's missing. The murder weapon's right here, for God's sake. Ah. Oh, that reminds me. I'd like to dust for fingerprints. <laughs> fingerprints? No. It's three in the morning, and I don't need your silly little toys to see what's going on here. He took that phonograph to our woman's head and bashed her face till there was nothing left. Honestly, Lestrade, I could hardly imagine a more damning scene. You don't find any of this strange? No, I find it repulsive, and I'd very much like to be done with this nastiness as soon as possible. At the expense of the truth? We have 
our man. He's out on the balcony, and the blood is literally still on his hands. But what's the motive? And why didn't he run? Why would he kill this woman and then call us for our help? No, and we don't have the full story. We have plenty of story to call it a night and catch a few hours of sleep before sunrise. Pack up your playthings, Lestrade. But Gregson... That's Chief Inspector Gregson. Now, this is my scene, and I say we've got more than enough evidence to tie a nice bow on this. Many men have been hanged on far less. And many men have been wrongfully hanged. If he killed this woman, it's our duty to be sure. You want a story? Fine. Bring the man down to the yard and ask him your questions. Hell, shake him up a bit. See if he'll confess. Try some real police work for a change. Just make sure this story ends with him in chains by nightfall. All right, boys. We're all through. Let's get this room packed up for evidence. And someone, please, take that poor girl to the morgue. Give me a hand with Ted. Careful with her head. Seriously, Lestrade, get a hold of yourself. This one is open and shut. <sighs> Professor, Mr. Moriarty, I need you to come with me. You can't stay out here. I don't... I don't understand. Who did this? Who would... Come on then, Professor. Let's sort this all out down at the station. Professor! Professor Moriarty! Whereas Lambda represents the mean rate of separation, Delta Z of zero is our initial departure, and Delta Z of T is the separation between our systems after time, T. Thus, while our two asteroids share a point of origin, any change in their initial conditions and constants will yield drastically different trajectories. We may gaze up to the heavens and marvel at the chaos of the divine, but look closer. In every movement, there is math. From the far reaches of the universe to this very lecture hall, dynamics like our asteroids exist. Complex systems moving us along through time and space, defining our lives and the world as we know it. And I humbly submit that the outcomes of these systems are anything but ergodic or unpredictable. With mathematics, nothing is left to chance. We can make sense of disorder and explain randomness with reason. We can make predictions, chart trajectories, and foresee the future. And in doing so, we prove that chaos is not a product of luck or fate or the whims of higher powers. Chaos is a calculation. I thank you for your time. Thank you for coming. Jolly good show. You're very kind, sir. Thank you. Oh, James, you really cooked the goose with that one. Ah, Mr. George Farley, I thought I recognized your confused mug noodling in the front row. Another Moriarty mind bender? 
What did I tell you, Fred? Absolutely scintillating, wasn't it? Quite thought-provoking, Professor. Uh, James, this is Mr. Pollock. He is a friend from London. A friend of George Farley? We shall have to have your head examined. James, Fred here is from the Crown. Uh, you'll join us for a drink, of course. I'm afraid a previous engagement calls me elsewhere, and you should be careful with those toxins, Farley. Dulls the mechanisms. Thank you so much for coming, Mr. Pollock, sir. Actually, Professor, I was hoping I might steal just a moment more of your time. You see, I work for the Department of Topography and Statistics. Topography? You're a mapmaker? Of a sort. We're a small outfit of Britain's sharpest minds, all working for the greater good. The greater good for whom? For England, of course. In fact, I've been charged by the Queen herself to find the best of the best for our little operation. Ah, I thought I felt a proposition coming on. An opportunity, Professor. A chance to sharpen England's intellectual edge as we head into the 20th century. You see, it's the scientists and the mathematicians, good men like you. You are who will define the future of our country. He's in your ear too, Farley. Just hear the man out, James. Professor. I've been tracking your rise since your work on the binomial theorem. And this last book of yours, Dynamics of an Asteroid, well, it's safe to say no man in the scientific press has proven capable of criticizing it. That's far too generous. It's true. And Mr. Farley here insists your next publication will somehow surpass these rarefied heights. You're composing a chaotic theory, yes? A treatise on deterministic systems and predictive maths. I am considering it. Oh, no need to be coy. Mr. Farley has told me all about your next big idea. He says it's rather extraordinary. Well, I would not trust George's opinion, nor his word that any private conversation will ever be held in confidence. I'm sorry, James. I couldn't keep something like that a secret. And Mr. Pollock here understands it all better than I ever could. You're a mathematician, Mr. Pollock. I have dabbled in such things, enough to know this new theory of yours will bring your asteroids down into the real world. Uh, what was it you called the maths, Fred? An equation for the future. Equation for the future? It has a ring, doesn't it? I suppose, though it's a bit reductive. Reductions aside, this is exactly the kind of brilliance Her Majesty's looking for. The applications for such predictive capabilities abound. He's right, James. This idea of yours is going to change the world. James, dear, over here. Gentlemen, I'm afraid my time has expired. I do appreciate your interest, Mr. Pollock, but sadly our friend Farley here has miscalculated any potential match between us. Now, one moment, Professor. In fact, I've told the Crown several times that I'm quite happy here in Durham. Oh, James. Please, you, you know your talents are wasted here. This college is just a way station. Indeed. Surely you can see that your destiny lies beyond these halls. My focus is in predicting large-scale systems, not individual destinies. Though I struggle to see any future in making maps for the Queen. Now, I can assure you, the true nature of our operations are far more compelling. Darling, you were remarkable. The whole room was hanging on your every word. Oh, I've interrupted. No, no, dear, we were just finishing. Mr. Pollock, may I present the only destiny of which I am quite sure? Miss Rose Winslow, my fiancée. Professor? 
How's your head? Thought some coffee might help clear up the fogginess. We've been trying to locate kin for Miss Winslow, to let them know. Her uh, parents are gone. They died when she was a child. Hmm. Any brothers or sisters back in Durham? Other relatives? No. No, Inspector. She had no one except me. What about you? Anyone we should notify? Um, yes, my brother JJ. He's here in London. Oh. You have an address? Uh, 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 I'm sorry, he's... My head is still... He's a uh, station master. Tell Don't me. worry. We'll find him. Professor, is there anyone that would want to hurt your fiancé? Hurt Rose? No. She didn't mention someone giving her a hard time while you were here? No. What about back at the college? Any incidents with someone in town? Uh, not that I can think of. Rose hasn't had a problem with anyone as long as I've known her. How long has that been? Nearly six months. And you were engaged? Yes, in the spring. Rather quick. Not quick enough. I would have married her that day, but she insisted I finish my book first. Book? I thought you were a teacher. I research applied mathematics. Binomial distribution, exponential divergence. Ah, you're losing me, Professor. The college lends me time and resources for my studies. Rose and I decided to marry once my new book was done and published, but, well, I took too long, didn't I? And what were you two doing in London? Oh, my dear, you saved me, and in such stunning fashion. You didn't need to come to this. Well, you know I can't resist the sight of my man on stage, especially in such a fine tuxedo. Besides, I do like to keep my eye on you. Do you? Yes, with all your many suitors swirling. What did that man want? Which man? The heavyset one with Professor Farley. Oh... You know, just another pesky caller from the Crown. Apparently, Her Majesty believes I have a bright future ahead of me as a map maker. Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, some might think it an honor to be so aggressively courted. And by the Queen, no less. If she was really so keen to woo me away, she might stop sending these half-wit stiffs and come to a lecture herself. Oh, really? Would a visit from the Queen finally sway the great Professor Moriarty into service? No, but that would be an honor. You sweep them all away so quickly, don't you? The offers. It doesn't matter who shows up. You don't pay these people any mind. Well, I wouldn't have much mind left over if I did. Honestly, I'm not sure I can take much more of that. What? The constant churn of accolades and attention? Oh, yes, James. Woe is you. It's a wonder how you'll manage when the book is done. Indeed. Perhaps I should toss it all away and escape while I have the chance. Escape? Yes. What do you think? Would you run away with me? Hmm. That depends on where you're proposing we escape to. A woman needs to know what she's getting herself into. Well, I've heard Bermuda is nice, or perhaps Fiji. Hide away on a beach? No, the tropics are the first place they look. We'd be much safer off in the mountain. My ring in, perhaps. 
Switzerland. Rather cold. Cold, but lovely and quiet. They'd never find us there. You've put some thought into it. No, no thoughts, dear. Just dreams. My, speaking of, I'm afraid your rousing lecture has worked its magic. But it's still early. What about dinner? Not tonight, dear. I'm on the early morning train to London. London? Yes. You remember, don't you? Oh, you don't remember. No, no, I'm, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. A genius mind, they say. The wedding, James. I'm still looking for my dress. In London? Can't you find something here in Durham? There are dresses, dear, and then there are dresses. Only the finest satin from the city bazaars belongs next to such a dashing figure. I'm becoming Mrs. Moriarty, after all. I do enjoy the sound of that. Then I'll be back Sunday evening. You're spending the whole weekend. Longer, if I must. These things take time, you know. One only gets married once. Hopefully. Hopefully? Besides, you were going to lock yourself away this weekend to finish the math of your book. Honestly, James, we discussed all this. Oh, right, of course. Yes, I, I remember. You're a dreadful liar. Yes, well, deception does require quite a bit of brain power. As does love. I'll see you soon, dear. In the meantime, do try to make room for me in that marvelous head of yours. Professor, you were letting your fiancé come to London alone? I never let Rose do anything. She always did as she pleased. Came to the city on her own many times. She bought my favorite tuxedo on Savile Row just a few months back. A surprise for my tour. I was going to wear it for a... She was always independent and strong. I never worried when she left. She'd been on her own for quite some time before me. Doing what? Just being free. Her parents left a bit of money when they passed, and Rose took it upon herself to see the world, get educated. She had this beautiful curiosity for life. Wouldn't be confined to anyone's box. And you two met at the college. She was a student of yours. No, she was a music student, singer. And yet she showed up in my life one day, looking to learn. The connection between chords and calculus. Her world and mine. It fascinated her. She taught herself quite a bit of math while we were together. That's all quite uncommon. There was nothing common about Rose. That's what made her so irresistible. So she was traveling here on her own for a dress. Then you decided to join her. Why was that? Pardon me. Rose? Rose? Wait! James? I'm coming with you. What? That thing you said last night. Well, you are absolutely right. I need to make room for you. For us. Between the tour and the new book, we've barely had a moment for ourselves oh, and... That was a joke, dear. I'm not angry. But it's true. I can't remember the last time we had a decent holiday. You're very sweet, but this isn't a holiday. 
I'm on a mission. Yes, well, I can help you. With my dress shopping. If you'd have me. Certainly not. It's bad luck to see a bride in her dress before the wedding. A mathematician doesn't believe in luck. Well, his fiancée does. And what about your book? You promised me you'd finish, James. The proofing is nearly done. There's just this little problem that's eluding me. Well, solve it. Then you'll have plenty of time to focus on us. I'll solve it. I always do. But I want to come with you. You find your dress, and then we can enjoy the city together. Maybe even catch a show. I hear they're doing Wagner at Covent Garden. The opera? Yes, we've been talking about going for months. Now, wouldn't that be grand? But what of your classes, Professor? Well, as it turns out, the department chair and I share a brain. This whole thing was his idea. Was it? Yes, he thinks I could use a bit of a break. And old Farley owes me a favour for playing nice for that rube from the Crown last night. James! What? You don't like the idea? No. I like the idea very much. It's just... Well... All aboard! Last call! Come now, Rose. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't join you. And then it's like I told you. We rode the train in. I worked on my book while she shopped. We had some wine before bed. And, and when I woke, Rose was... She was... And nothing else happened? Nothing out of the ordinary? I... No, not that I can... Take your time, Professor. We're just talking this all through. Talking? We're wasting time. A killer is out there right now, running free on the streets. I assure you we're doing everything we can. It's not enough! I'm sorry, I'm just... Are you a drinker, Professor? A drinker? No! No, barely ever. Makes me tired. I don't like the feeling of not being in control of my mind. But you drank last night. Yes, just a glass or two of wine. And then you fell asleep on the couch? Yes, I think so. You think so? I told you, last night it's all blurry. Professor, is it possible that you lost control? What? Perhaps you had too much. Forgot what you did. What I did? Are you implying that you think this was me? You think I murdered my fiance? Sir, it's my job to identify suspects. It's your job to solve this! Professor. When I woke, she was dead. Someone broke into our room and beat her beautiful face to a pulp. And you didn't see any of it. You didn't wake up at all. That's convenient, wouldn't you say? Now, we've talked to most everyone at that hotel. There's no witnesses, no evidence of anyone else going in that room except for... It wasn't me! I called you! I asked for your help! You find who did this! You find this monster! She was everything to me! I've been trying to see this your way, Professor. I really have. Every man deserves the benefit of the doubt, especially on matters this grave. But, well, you need more than that right now. Something real, something concrete. I loved her. That's... that's not enough proof. I'm sorry, Professor. Wait. Wait, there has to be something more you can do. Some way to prove this, this wasn't me. I mean, what about... 
But what about Holmes? Sherlock Holmes, the detective. He can help me. Sir, Mr. Holmes isn't a true detective. He's just a private citizen. Yes, yes, but he's the best, isn't he? He solved some of the most difficult cases. He might have assisted with a few investigations. Will you send for him? Please. Holmes can prove this wasn't me. He's a man of good logic. And this mess is exactly his kind of problem. I've read all about his cases in the papers. Sir, what you've read isn't the whole of it. You said you wanted to help, didn't you? Inspector, I beg you, help me contact him. Mr. Holmes will see this my way, I'm sure of it. Inspector Lestrade. Evening, Mrs. Hudson. Is Mr. Holmes in? Can you not hear him? I'm afraid Mr. Holmes is in quite the state at the moment. Ah. Cocaine again? Frustration by the sounds of it. He gets this way when he's on a problem. A problem? You mean a case? Oh, I know better than to ask for specifics, Inspector. But whatever it is, I'd wager the matter remains unresolved. Is Chief Inspector Gregson coming? No. Uh, Inspector Gregson is... Well, it's just me tonight. Just you? And you don't have an appointment? No, I'm afraid I don't. Perhaps you could call again in the morning, let him burn himself out a bit and sleep this off. Actually, actually, the matter is quite time-sensitive. I can see myself up if you'd like. Oh, no. If you insist, better I intrude. Just a moment, Inspector. I do appreciate you taking the time to see me, Mr. Holmes. I, um, I understand you're on a case. Was this one of your private clients? Spare us both the pleasantries, Lestrade. Your imposition has me neglecting business of true importance. You're here on a case. This is about the professor, Mr. Moriarty, yes? Well, yes. How did you know? I understand you boys found quite the grisly scene at the Langham Hotel this morning. We did indeed. I also understand the case against the professor is quite conclusive. No intrusion, nothing stolen, no alibi or witnesses to the contrary. I'm told the night watchman found your man sitting over the body holding the murder weapon. A phonograph, was it? Y yes, sir. Well, I've certainly seen stranger. Yes. It all sounds quite damning indeed, Inspector. And yet here you stand. Well, yes. The truth of it is, I've been talking to the man and... Well, I'm not sure he's capable of such a terrible act. You never are sure, are you, Lestrade? It's no wonder how Gregson left you for Chief Inspector. He believes the Professor is guilty? Yes, Gregson is quite certain. Well, he is the sharp one of your bunch. I wonder how he'd feel if he knew you were here subverting his authority. I'm not subverting anything, sir. The purpose of my visit is actually more unofficial in nature. I know why you're here, Lestrade. 
You have a letter in your coat pocket for me. A note from the accused, no doubt. This was your idea? No. No? I, I mean, well, yes, I have a note, but it wasn't my idea. The professor read about you in the paper. Mm. The bittersweet curse of celebrity. Very well, then. Let's have it. I... I'm sorry, but... How did you... Your hand has been dancing back and forth between your side and your lapel since you entered the room, debating the right opportunity to reveal the true purpose of your intrusion. Now, must I continue to dazzle you, or may we get on to what the poor professor has to say for himself? Dear Mr. Sherlock Holmes, I am requesting your consultation in a matter most urgent. Yes, yes. Beloved fiancé has been murdered. Mm, tragic. I assure you, I am strictly innocent. Yes, of course. And I will happily pay any fee required for your assistance. And on and on and on. You'll give the professor my regrets. What? You, you won't take his case? He has no case. To think more on the matter would only dull my instrument. You think he's guilty, then? A cunning deduction, Lestrade. You're certain? Aren't I always, Inspector? The only mystery that remains is why you've wasted the cab fare to call on me for something so trivial. <laughs> trivial? A man's life hangs in the balance. Your man is a killer. He should be hanging. I wonder, what is it about this particular spider that has you so caught up in his web? Hmm? Well, he doesn't strike me as the type. Frankly, doesn't strike me as evil at all. In the last analysis, even the best man is evil. Pardon? Friedrich Nietzsche, Lestrade. I'd ask if you've read him, though. I imagine a man of your silly hobbies has little time for real insight. The professor is guilty. There is no doubt of it. And he deserves the news that's coming for him. I will testify to the matter should the need arise. And you may add that letter to the evidence against his case. His letter? It may prove useful for the trial. What? But, sir, I... Well, how do you know he's guilty? I don't see it. You see, but you do not observe. The distinction is clear. That will be all, Lestrade. See yourself out. Solve it. Whatever it takes. <laughs> 